Welcome to You Never Lose, You Learn. You Never Lose, You Learn is sponsored by iBlink Pink, your staging, design, and decor company that can recreate spaces in your home. Let them envision, cultivate, and decorate your love space. Episode two, Risk Takers. It's elementary, Watson. I can remember quite well the model we had in elementary school. My school was Washington Elementary, which is no longer in that distinction. And that is because there's just some walls up and a visible reminder of failed planning and the crazy separation of Gary's educational system from the city government of Gary. I don't have any idea, people, why the future of your city is not connected to your schools and government, why they are not working in tandem for the success of your city. Again, So that's just, you know, a topic that we'll talk about at another time, you know, because I'm still building up this, this background information about, you know, your host and why his mind moves and why he thinks the way that he thinks. So me and my friends, we would walk to school right through the alleys to get to our elementary school. That's how you got to Washington if you lived on, you know, on Lane Street. Um, and we would do that and we would, you know, of course, everybody, like maybe, maybe one every four or five houses had some type of pet, some type of animal. And so, you know, when you were walking, occasionally one of those pets was loose and they wanted to get to you. And so the kids, We would just run crazy, jump on cars. You know, I saw some of the most athletic and and craziest dives or people who couldn't even run that fast. All of a sudden they ran. I mean, it was incredible to see how your mind can make you go even faster or do things when fear or, or the adrenaline from your body starts flowing. Well, started getting to walk when I was in first grade, went to kindergarten, had Miss Hightower. Got in first grade, can't really remember that teacher's name, but once you get to first grade, this is where you become fascinated by other human beings. Like in kindergarten, you just snotty nose, you know, you, you, you're coughing on everybody, you're doing all this crazy stuff, and you know, you're really obedient, you know, and things like that, and you're doing exactly because you're just excited, you know, When you get in first grade, you become fascinated by other human beings. Like you are like somebody. So you're like, wow and whoa. And people other than your mom and dad, your big sister and brother, and the baby that just won't be quiet. This is where all the risk taker kids push each other down, cough on one another, 
cry when they don't get their way to see if the teacher cares or feels sorry. So you can take advantage of her kindness to get out of structure. We did it all the time. Anytime we could get the teacher or see those like, oh, or, you know, be unsure of if they were for right for, you know, uh, disciplining us for something we did. We even thought that you could, you would melt. Then we were ready to take control of the classroom. Yeah, people. Yeah, listeners. You learn deception pretty fast when you have teen brothers and sisters that babysit and let you see and hear things you really shouldn't be hearing and doing. And all they do, I mean, your your, your older brother and sisters is say, don't tell mom or dad or you will feel the pain of that choice. <laughs> like, seriously. I mean, you just... <laughs> You just, you know, you're in trouble all the time when you're younger than everybody. So seriously, in first grade, I learned to keep things away from my parents. Because a gut punch was not worth it. <laughs> and it, it, a gut punch, yeah. You're not taking a gut punch from a 14-year-old or 11-year-old. And you're like in the first grade. Yeah, it hurts. It was just being honest, a double-edged sword. If I tell my parents, I'm gonna feel some pain. If I don't tell my parents and they find out, it would be worse. I definitely weigh those decisions out and use the options sometimes, but consequences were definitely realized quite a bit. To put it simple for you, Being deceptive or quiet is always a choice. And many people use that choice. Sit on that for a minute. Let your mind sit on that. Okay, let's get back to Washington Elementary School. That school introduced me to differences. Some of my friends were in class that were more challenging. And those classes were given a name called gifted classes. Right there, we're creating separation. My classes were average, but I was never an average human being. My parents instilled that in me. They let me know that, John John, you're you're special. And when you gotta be careful when you use that word special because people use that word special to say, oh, he's a, you know, one of the worst words I think you can never say is special education, but, you know, we seem to think that that's, it has positive connotations, but it truly doesn't have positive connotations. You know, and again, another topic, another day. But several of my teachers knew that I was, I was special, but our country's educational system uses test scores to identify brilliance most of the time. Another conversation for another day. I got a bunch of them. But there has to be a gauge for risk takers, for the fearless, and the determined. I remember book fairs and teachers that use corporal punishment without hesitation. And let's stop right there and hesitate on that one for a minute. 
teachers that use corporal, you don't know what corporal punishment is. It's when someone can use a physical restraint or they can physically strike you to get a desired outcome. I was beaten and hit with a wooden board that was fashioned out of a stick, a piece of wood. Uh, They would make paddles in wood shop so that teachers could strike students. This was a time period, you know, when it was okay. And you'll hear many people reference it and say, hey, when we were doing those type of things, that was the time when education was, was at its best. I never thought that the American education system, and I'm, a, and I've been an educator for over. I don't know. I don't know when we're at our best. I know when we're effective. We're effective when we are learning and when we are diversifying, when we are challenging, when we are creating new avenues to learn, to 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 teach. If you've been doing something for a hundred years or fifty years, and you've been doing the same thing, listen. It's okay. Foundations have to be taught. History has to be taught. But we also have to evolve. And it just can't be for a few people who can afford it. It has to be for for all human beings, all um, cultures. They have to be able to to better themselves. But let's get back to this, this hitting with a wooden board. There was never a concern for students' well-being. It was a thing that was going to happen that was going to be used for students to not talk back when the teacher was talking or any other thing that they, you know, if you didn't do your homework, uh, you're getting three swats. I don't even know, like, is there, was there a protocol for how many licks you would get? Nah, it was like, you know, they, they were having some issues at home, family or, you know, with their kids, you know, they could come to school and just take it out on someone else's kid. And, and parents just, you know, they thought that was the way schools were run. Nobody questioned, not many people questioned it, not in my city at least. It was just what was happening. You'll hear stories when we get together, class reunions, and they'll talk about, you remember when uh, such and such hit you with a, or remember when that teacher, you know, our music teacher caught you talking or caught you eating candy and, you know, yeah, you got, you got licks. It was really an effective way of instilling fear. And it was an extremely barbaric way of treating students. I can recall one day when I was sleeping in class and Miss Simmons, one of my favorite teachers, and she was my language teacher, smacked me on my back while I was had my head down and my eyes closed. I woke up and I thought I had the strength of 10 men. In a rage, I picked up my desk and slammed it down. And I asked her, why did you hit me like that? And I was crying, but I also knew I was in trouble. Oh, Miss Simmons wasn't backing down. Let's not, let's get this, let's not get this twisted at all. Me crying and acting out meant nothing to her. 
I was disrespectful by sleeping while she was talking, while she was instructing other kids. I was not obedient. I was not ready to learn. I was sent to the office of the principal, Mr. Thomas. He was a strict disciplinarian. So you can just imagine what that meant. Ms. Simmons spoke to Mr. Thomas, who had given me the option of three swats or suspension for my reaction. At the time that I was in an elementary student, education was stern and unforgiving. Rules were firm and decisive. And we left understanding clearly what would be tolerated. Excuses were minimized. Accountability was an expectation. Our programming and the challenges prepared us for our next experiments. Middle and high school. It's very important for my listeners to understand, you know, what exactly going through some of those things can do to your mind. You know, and and right now, a lot of things are talked about the mental health, the mental well-being of people and why they do the things that they do. And that, you know, segues me into, you know, episode two and how some of those in corporal punishment, for instance, being slapped in the face, you know, um, when you you did wrong. In an instant, and I'll be honest with you, some instances it, it made you tough, you know, and you and you kind of needed to be tough in certain environments, you know, and that, and that's very important for people to know. I've always been a stickler on when you are around people. You know, and, and I've said that in, you know, in some of my episodes, you know, observer of life. You know, you can walk through life and observe how things have happened and what has happened. And it's just very important for you to, to understand that your experience is your experience. But it also can be, you know, similar to another person's experience. And you guys have to have an avenue to discuss those experiences and those differences, you know? And a lot of people, you know, in the the antiquated educational system that we have now, they're still unable to speak and be creative in their, in the way that they present themselves and talk and tell their story. You know, um, if you live in small town USA, it's very different from big town, you know, and big city living. You know, the flow of, of, of the economy, the type of stores, the type of car dealerships that are there. It tells a lot about your community. You know, uh, the way the buildings are built, you know, tells a lot about your community. But I have always been of the ideology that, you know, we are all human beings in that, you know, we have to be able to, to, to lend a helping hand, to love, 
to love differences and to to help people that have differences. So that would get me in a lot of trouble because I would question. I would question, you know, people about why is this important for me to learn this because I'm not going to do any of that in my life because that's not what I want to do and that's not what... A very smart person that was in my life named uh, Jose Newell, his family was very, very extraordinary. Um, (laughs) When I was growing up in in my neighborhood, uh, it was very extraordinary. My neighborhood was called Gangsterville, but the Newells were a very important uh, part of my life. Jose's mom um, and dad were teachers. And when I tell you that they loved every kid in our neighborhood, and Miss Newell would, would teach us, like, you come in, she'd give us a spelling word, give us a spelling word, you get a cookie, if you can spell it. And I'll just give you an example. One of my best friends in the world, um, and he won't mind me saying this because it's true. One of my best friends in the world, we call him Coochie. And why did we call him Coochie? Because his his grandma, when he was little, they would grab his cheeks and say, Coochie, Coochie, Coo. So anyway, I'm not going to tell you his, his full name because you would, you would understand why we chose to call him Coochie. But anyway, Coochie came over one day and Miss Miss Newell was like, hey, I want you to spell automobile. And Coochie said, got it. C-A-R. Man, all of us just cracked up, but he got his cookie, you know. But that's an example of somebody who didn't, you know, put you down, didn't think you were making a joke, but met you where you were. And, and, and love, you could feel the concern and caring and love that she had. And one of my other mentors just told me, like, if you can't treat children that you are blessed to be able to teach like your own, then you shouldn't be in that profession. Because we wouldn't, we wouldn't beat our own kids. And we would beat them, but we wouldn't beat them to to where we, we want to hurt them. We wouldn't punish our kids and say, you're kicked out of school, you know, for forever. You know, we, would, we wouldn't send them to their room and never let them out. Now, maybe some people would, you know, and, 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 and let me get this straight. Everybody, nobody punish, nobody makes a kid do some of the things that they do. And there are you know, strong, strong consequences that you have to to have in place for students who, who disrupt the learning environment, you know. But I think that those students, you know, at this time, in this day and age, there has to be an alternative setting. And there has to be a group of strong teachers who are dedicated for each school district, who are dedicated to those type of students who need to be reached by people who can reach them, who can relate to them, because they're worth saving. And again, that's a a conversation for another time, you know, but I can vaguely remember, I can, I I just, I just know that it's, it's so important 
the work that we do as educators, you know, making, you know, our youth and making other educators and other people who are have influence to understand that, you know, that what do they say? All kids can learn. Yes, all kids can learn. All people can learn, you know. And and we all can learn from one another. So as I continue this journey through my first five episodes of just sharing, you know, intimate details and things that are important and introducing you to people that have, have influenced me in my life, um, I hope that, you know, you continue to to chime in and and uh, listen to you know some things that I feel are very important for everyone to be successful and so you'll hear me say you know you'll hear me talk about Jose Noah and his brother and his mom and dad you'll hear me talk about you know um, a guy that changed his name from one thing to becoming now he's Muhammad you will hear me talk about oh my neighborhood and and how I was the dentist to menace of the neighborhood you know um, all of these things you'll talk hundreds hundreds and thousands you know thousands and thousands of students who I've been you know who I feel it's important for you to know some of the things that molded me as an educator um, but I do want you to know that through all of this, you know, the one thing that I stuck to is that, and I told them that you never, you never lose, you learn. And because I was a coach, I always, you know, held my conversations either in my classroom or in the gym. So as we end this episode, episode two, as always, I see you in the gym.